What I like to do, in fact, is three things. First, I like to map out some new migratory forms and processes in Turkey, particularly referring to the last 10 years. And I will refer that the Turkey going into migration transition, which has various global implications. And from this discussion of the new migratory forms and processes in Turkey, I like to move into the thematic and methodological changes of how we approach the migration studies in Turkey, how we should, and this refers to, in fact, future research agenda for international migration studies. But while we are doing this too, in fact, I will refer to the history of Turkish international migration as emigration flows and immigration flows involved. So, with these objectives, in fact, I will divide my presentation into five parts. After this introductory comments I already started, I will reflect a brief, probably more longer than brief, history of uh, Turkish emigration and immigration. And from that historical discussion, I will come to the whole concept of migration transitions that I will argue that in the, particularly in the last 10 years, Turkey going in terms of emigration and immigration flows, what we may define as the migration transitions. This has the two components. One is that the Turkish migrant community is turning into transnational communities. And the second point is already mentioned. In fact, Turkey turning into country of immigration. And from that point, I will go into the discussion of contemporary Turkish international migration studies. I will try to do a kind of mapping and then I will draw some concluding remarks out of this discussion. In the opening talks already, Mr. Ambassador and Frank mentioned that in fact the case of Turkish international migration is so significant. I will argue that it was significant historically and in our contemporary days also it's important. It's important domestically for Turkey, regionally and globally in terms of its economic, political, social, and cultural implications for, again, for Turkey, for surrounding regions around Turkey and global settings is important. And Turkey is a quite important actor in various migration regimes around the world, involving various types of migrations and migrants. And often we argue, partly in recent years, Turkey is a country of emigration, immigration, and transit. So, but one can argue that the Turkey provides a rich case study for empirical, analytical, theoretical, and policy research. Just to give a kind of example, it's already, again, Mr. Ambassador mentioned that how international migration issues are important in the context of EU, and often we face with this question. Just I reflect here a very important document dated October 2004. In fact, these three paragraphs are taken from this very significant document. This was the document prepared by a commission recommending Turkey will start the accession talks. So this was the recommendation coming from commission to the council and European parliament. In fact, this was a document of 10, 12 pages. When we look at the very significant paragraph in this document, we see that there were references to the migration issues. In fact, there were two dimensions of that. One is already we know that the, there is this fear of 
if Turkey becomes EU member, then through the free circulation of labor, if the mass movement of Turks will come to Europe, then this may disturb the European labor market. But in the same paragraph, it says that the, but this could be a kind of remedy, a kind of solution for the aging population of EU. So this was the kind of first argument that the second argument was that also Turkey was increasingly becoming a country of immigration, asylum flows, and the, how the Turkey will handle this asylum flows and the immigration issues. So this is just one example. Of course, when we talk about international migration issues, the Turkish international migration is not only limited by EU case. So what I did, in fact, just Last week, I did a kind of simple internet research. Just I, I wrote some, some keywords at the, to see that the, how the Turkey, in fact, discussed and somehow debated in connection with the international migration issues. It's just these are the, some items came out of the internet research. Just it's already mentioned recently, if I start from the more recent ones, arrivals of Syrian refugees to Turkey. This is debated very much compared as frankly what the position of Turkey and the, what the Europeans in fact dealing with the whole refugees coming from North Africa. Then there was discussion about how the, also there were Turkish workers in Libya, how Turkey could take care of them. In beginning of summer, in fact, the, since the beginning of summer, there is this visa-free travel regime with Russia and before that with various neighboring countries. There is very hot debate between EU and Turkey about the readmission agreement. It's already ready, but the both sides bargaining on the agreement. Then again, the, because of the irregular migration coming, trans migration, so-called trans migration coming from Turkey to Europe, there's this debate of the construction of walls or fence at the border between Turkey and Greece, and Frontex operation again at the same border, and there's the usual business of the integration difficulties of Turkish migrants in Europe. Then also you may face with the whole question of success of various Turkish migrants like Fatih Akın, Cemil Özdemir and others. Whenever we discuss the Islamophobia in Europe, such as the case of, for instance, Sivisban or Mirares, indirectly or directly Turkish migration comes to picture. There was a news, for instance, there are, there are irregular Turk construction workers in Japan. There's a huge debate of the Turkey's geographical limitation on in asylum regime. There are different political issues. For instance, one just recently, one of my previous students, she wrote a kind of PhD thesis with the title of Long Distance Kemalism. She started this thesis, for instance, with the how she saw the, this picture of Mustafa Kemal Atatürk looking at the Sydney's famous Bondi Beach in, in Australia. In fact, this was very interesting. Then it's already mentioned that the South Turkey will be a kind of remedy for the aging of the European population. I'm just passing to others. And the, there are all these hot political debates whenever the Armenian issue, for instance, in North America, in Australia, the Turkish migrants group, Turkish civil society organizations dealing with the lobbies of Greeks and Armenians. This, this is also becomes a kind of issue. Whether Turkish migrants involving in the fundamentalist Islamist movements, whether the, again, the Turkish immigrants involving in the Kurdish national separatist movements, suitcase traders 
Russians in Turkey. Armenian labor migration to Turkey, for instance, debated very much. Sun and retirement migration of Europeans to Turkey. So these are the examples. If we try to make this list 10 or 15 years ago, in fact, the picture would be quite different from that. So what I will argue that particularly in the last decade, in Turkey, there has been a migratory transition with three aspects. One is, I already argued that the particular last 15 years, Turkish immigrant communities transforming themselves to the transnational communities. I will come to this issue later. And the second issue that the Turkey is becoming a country of immigration. For a long time, in fact, the researchers working in this field last time, in fact, started with mid-1990s, we used to argue that this, this was a factual development, and there were different discourses on that, but I will give this example, in fact, this will be my conclusion. In last five years, there is very serious policy developments in Turkey, almost a kind of paradigmatic change. So state is sad, except that the Turkey becoming country of immigration. Maybe state not promoting the immigration, but accepting that and the developing its tools to deal with that. But this change, in fact, is not a kind of simple change. There's a kind of tension, I will argue that because this transformation, in fact, reflects the kind of tension between the what I will call nationalist legacies, which is the politics of past, and the world views based on globalism, transnationalism, what I call the EUization. So as you know, Turkey started its modernity project in the early 20th century by a nation-building process. And this nation-building process was naturally but based on the whole ideology of nationalism. And in the early 20th century, in fact, the world was divided nationally, still it is, but the now, but in the globalized world, we are living in a different world. But I will argue that the, in the early 21st century now, there is a kind of modern state rebuilding. So state trying to reorganize itself and the field of migration is a very good field, in fact, to, to see that. I will give some examples throughout this talk. So this is the, in fact, a kind of table I showed, I tried to show that how international migration transition taking place and how the, we are observing the changing state policies towards immigration and immigration. I argue that, in fact, we can roughly distinguish four periods from 1923 up to 1950s, 60s. We can take the first period, and this period I would call the kind of international migration through nationalism. Then from 1950s, 60s up to 1980s, I would call the international migration through developmentalism. Then from 1980 to 2000, we start to think that how global changes and transnationalism affected the immigration flows and the immigration policies in Turkey. And what I will argue that, the, in fact, in the last 10 years, there's a kind of real paradigmatic change in terms of how state approaches the migration issues. Of course, the real development supports these changes. So let me go quickly the some example of this these four periods. But before going there, I'm not going to bore you with the literature. But what happened in the last hundred years 
in Turkey. Now I will go into, in fact, this was very parallel to what we discussed in the literature. International migration flows, how they changed throughout the 20th century. In fact, through this formation of nation state and globalization change, the developments in Turkey is very parallel to that. Of course, I like to warn myself and you, you know that here I refer to Mimer and Schiller. In fact, they also criticize that they, you know, this concept of methodological nationalism. And they, this means that we should not explain everything with the, this nation-building process. Neither we should explain the now, I may call that the methodological globalism or methodological transnationalism or methodological usation. But for my argument, in fact, looking from this historical perspective and referring to the nation-building process and how the different policies changed throughout the last century is important for my argument. So I'm aware of the limitation of this, this view. So coming quickly to how these periods change, when we look at the first 25 or 30 years the Republic, in fact, this is, this is coming from the legacy of Ottoman Empire. So this was a period the nation state was trying to create a kind of homogeneous nation state. This formation already started in the late Ottoman period with the deportation of Armenians and the population exchange between Greece and Turkey. Very important document, in fact, to discuss the migration policies in Turkey is the as some of you know, or many of you know, this law of settlement of 1934. In fact, this law shows that the how Turkish state approaches the immigration and immigration flows. Particularly immigration flows, so defining the migrants, so this law changed in 2006, City the definition, you know that in the legal text always at the first two paragraphs there are the definitions of the concepts. For instance, in 2006, I will come to this discussion later too, Turkey defines the immigrants. It says that there's someone coming to Turkey, someone with the Turkish descent and culture, and arriving in Turkey. So this is the city legal definition of migrant in Turkey. So the idea was that, okay, creating a kind of nations, homogeneous nation state, as much as possible, encouraging the arrivals of Turks and Muslims, I stress that too, to Turkey, while already at the end of the Ottoman Empire, it started that the non-Muslims living living Turkey. If just quickly, if I give some figures, for instance, the first population census in Turkey shows that the, there were 340,000 non-Muslims in Turkey. A colleague of mine, he's a demographer, they calculated that if there was no emigration of non-Muslims from Turkey, the population of non-Muslims in Turkey will be now over 1.5 million. Okay, so I will come to that stage, but the, there were different political processes. Non-Muslims left Turkey, and in return, what happened that, of course, Turkey encouraged the arrivals of Turks and Muslims, particularly from Balkans, from Bulgaria, Greece, Romania, and Yugoslavia. For instance, from 1923 to the 13, 1939, there were almost 900,000 people coming from the Balkans to Turkey, and this, this migration also continued in the following periods. So, in fact, this nation-building process was going hand by hand with the, this emigration and immigration of 
different ethnic groups and the nationalities. So what I will call, so this after the 1950s and 60s, third first time in the modern history of Turkey, but we see that the Turks and Muslims, I mean not the non-Muslims, living Turkey, you know that this, this is the effect based on the after the Second World War, as the European countries needed labor. First, they recruited labor from the South European countries such as Italy at that time, Spain, Portugal, Greece, Yugoslavia, and Turkey. So Turkey, for instance, signed migration agreement, labor recruitment agreement in 1961. This year we are about celebrating the 50-year anniversary of Turkish emigration based on this symbolic date. The idea after the 1960, there was a military coup in 1960, then the Turkey went into the what is called the planned period. So there, there was this five years development plan, and the, in this, the first plan, in fact, encouraged the emigration as a strategy of development of Turkey. The idea was that the, okay, this, this will be a kind of temporary migration. This will reduce the tension of the unemployment in Turkey, so this economic contribution, plus the migrants, they will send remittances to Turkey, so this, this will be direct contribution to economy, plus after two years or three years, if they come back to Turkey through the gains, they will contribute to the development of the country. And later, then I will mention that this turned into the kind of this temporary moment turned into the permanent settlement. And when the migration started, no, no main actors of the migration process, neither Turkey as a sending country, nor receiving countries, nor migrants themselves see this that the one day, 50 years later, there will be one million European citizens with Turkish origin. Because this is the number of naturalized Turks in Europe. So, okay, here I can, let me, make some arguments here, but the start of the 1960s, Europe is not the only destination point for Turks. Later, for instance, in late 1960s, there was migration agreement with Australia. Now there's a sizable community in Australia, for instance, Turkish community. Then late 70s, in fact, Turkey started sending workers through the project type migration to the MENA region, Middle East and North Africa. First start with Libya, then the various Middle Eastern countries. And I will come to that point, started with the collapse of communist regimes. In fact, again, the Turkish companies got various projects in Russia, in Ukraine and other countries, and they carried their workers from Turkey to those countries. So when we look at the Turkish emigration, in fact, Turkish emigration has different arrival points. Also, this should be stressed. Another issue I have to stress that because later I will come to the research agenda. In fact, after the 19, so Turkish emigration started as a labor migration to Europe. Later, in with the petrol crisis in 1974, in fact, the European countries stopped the labor intake. But what happened that the, later this migration continued with the family reunification. Plus, there was a big change started with 1980s. There was a 1980 military coup in Turkey. 
plus after that, particularly in relation to two things, one is the Kurdish question itself, second is that the asylum seeking became the only way to, to move to Europe. So not everyone, they were genuine asylum seekers, but overall what happened that they, in fact, more than half a million Turkish citizens, they sought asylum in Europe. So this area also very kind of less studied area, but after 1980s, important component of the Turkish immigration was based on this asylum-seeking process. And I will come to the recent figures later, then of course there's a decline in that. So overall now, after this brief history, now there are various sizable Turkish migrant communities. Later I will argue that they turn into the transnational communities in various countries of Europe, plus North America, including Canada and the United States. Australia and those in the Arab MENA regions, in fact, they are the temporary migrants. But overall, in fact, there are, well, numbers, of course, they are debated in international migration studies, you know that. But the, in the mid or today, we may argue that, that there are over 3 million Turkish citizens living abroad, plus one, this excludes the 1 million Turkish, 1 million, you particularly citizens of Europe with Turkish origin or with the citizenship of Australia, Canada or United States. So overall, in fact, we may argue that the over 4 million people originated from Turkey living abroad. So when we arrived in 1980s, then the, the picture was that the globalization process that transnationalism was affecting the both immigration flows and the Turkish communities in different parts of the world. And later I will argue, starting with 2000s, those communities, they were turning, I repeat myself, to the transnational communities. For instance, here I should stress that the, in 1983, Turkish government, there was a legal arrangement in Turkey, so Turkish state permitted the dual citizenship. In fact, this was a kind of break, I, I will argue, that the, the Turkish state started accepting that the Turkish migrants, Turkish migrant committees turning into the permanent settlements and even to, of course, without knowing the concept of transnationalism, to the transnational communities. In recent years, I will come to that point that the, the nature of Turkish immigration changed very much, not only involving the labor migrants, but the, as I already mentioned, asylum seekers, but the movements of the professionals and student migration. Of course, student migration is important. I will come to that point partly in the 2000s too. So one important change was that the half Turkey, Turkish communities turning into the permanent settlement abroad. Second, in fact, this is the most significant part probably for this migration transition that they started with 1980s, Turkey started receiving so many migrants. This started with the asylum flows, mass influx of refugees. One can think of the four different groups coming to Turkey starting with 1980s. One is the irregular labor migration. The other is transit migration. I will explain that. Of course, increasingly there is a regular registered legal migration, so-called legal migration to Turkey, particularly involving the professionals and asylum seekers. Just I, I like to remind you the fact that the 
how this started in the late 1970s when the Russia occupied Afghanistan. In fact, the Afghanis started coming to Turkey, and the Turkish government took a kind of decision, for instance, carrying certain number of Afghanis in the in the early 1980s. And with the regime change in Iran. The various Iranians, in fact, they use Turkey as a transit zone. Some of them, they stay in Turkey. But it's estimated that between half to one million Iranians somehow came to Turkey, used Turkey, some large portion, to go other places. As Iraq then came to the picture, it started with late, late, late 1980s. And today, I like to remind you the fact that, for instance, now this Syrian refugees coming to Turkey as a mass flow. Some of you may be quite young, you cannot remember that, but in 1991, in fact, over two, three nights, 4,000 Kurds from northern Iraq, they passed to Turkey. Maybe you remember that. In fact, this was a difficult period. I will come to this point because now I'm seeing a kind of change. It was a difficult period, early 1990s, because of the Kurdish question, but Turkish government permitted them. So they did not stay in Turkey, but they stay in Turkey for a few weeks, maybe more than a month. Then many of them went back. So starting with those days, with some mass influx to Turkey, but later, because of the city and the political terminals in Iran, Iraq, and the Afghanistan was going on, refugees, asylum seekers, together with the economic migrants, I mean, some of the economic migrants also, they start to use coming to Turkey, but we argue that the I will argue the majority of them coming to those countries, in fact, they targeted to go to Europe, and not only Europe, to other countries too. Plus, okay, in addition to this, what we call the so-called transit migration, with the collapse of uh, communist regimes in the Eastern Europe and Soviet Union, first started as the suitcase traders. For instance, I have seen from the literature that the First, in the late 1970s, suitcase traders from Poland, they came to Turkey, Istanbul, to Covert Bazaar. They sell it with the suitcase, they sell their, some goods there, they bought the goods and they to their countries. And these suitcase traders, later with the collapse of communist regimes, some of them, they start to come in Turkey and, in fact, selling their labor in certain sectors of the economy, not only the prostitution or entertainment business, for instance, construction, even agriculture, domestic work, etc. Okay, I, I already mentioned that there is an irregular labor migration coming, starting with 1980, uh, late 80s, before that trans migrants coming to Turkey, plus I already mentioned the asylum flows, and increasingly also Turkey started attracting the particularly Istanbul migration of professionals, and this process, I already saw, just to reflect some figures to you, this table shows the number of asylum seekers coming to Turkey, but these are not the mass flows. Each year, these asylum seekers, they are applying to UNHCR. As you see that the, at the Turkish Ministry of Interior, the number each year changes something between 3002 and there was a kind of big jump in the last two years, like 2008. But altogether, started with 1997 up to 2009, close to 80,000 asylum seekers 
applied to UNHCR and the Ministry of Interior in Turkey. This is not a small, small number compared to various European countries. This, of course, expresses these mass flows. Just very briefly, I'd like to discuss this, this graph a bit. Uh, I already mentioned that there are irregular migrants, some of them transit migrants trying to pass Turkey, but the others are irregular labor migrants. And this graph shows that the, this is a kind of based on the apprehension cases, so how many migrants coming to Turkey. The, the line above, in fact, reflects the total irregular migrants. As you see that, for instance, in 2000, almost close to 100,000 irregular migrants apprehended in Turkey. These are only apprehension cases. If we have a kind of breakdown, how we make this breakdown of trans minus and irregular minus, theoretically it's a bit kind of debatable, but we consider that some country of origin, like the Iraqis or Iranians, or coming from the various African countries, we may consider largely their transits at least to show that kind of potential. And those migrants coming from Ukraine, Russia, or other Eastern European countries, they are mostly coming to Turkey to sell their labor power. So as you see, and anyway, the, the main flow is, main trend is important there. Started with uh, 1995, there's a very big increase up to 2000. Then there's a kind of declining trend since 2000s. Of course, we don't know that how many irregular migrants pass through Turkey to Europe or other countries. I, I will, but this issue creating a big, big issue between Turkey and particular transit migration between Turkey and EU. In my concluding part, also I will come to that discussion. I already, in fact, mentioned that the when we come to 2000s, I will argue that the, I already argued that. The, okay, I'm talking about two different types of changes. One, I'm arguing that increasingly, not migrant themselves, but the state, Turkish state itself also start to recognize that the Turkish migrants living abroad, living in a new environment, and they are turning into transnationals. I will talk about a bit on that. Plus, the second development was the Turkish state increasingly started to uh, recognize that the Turkey becoming country of immigration for non-Muslims and non-Turks. This is important because, as I said, that the 1934 settlement law encourages the arrival of Turks and Muslims arriving in, in Turkey. There are some legal documents I will mention that how this transformation of the state understanding of migra migration changing. The first one is that the, there was a regulation, in fact, which was published in official gazette in 1994. Remember that the, what I mentioned in the late 1980s and early 1990s, Turkey faced with this influx coming from Iraq. Particularly, I, I remind you the fact that the, in 1991, February, over two nights or three nights, 400,000 Kurds from Iraq, they moved into Turkey. Then also later, the others follow, but the, of course not, not all of them stay in Turkey. So Turkish government started becoming conscious about that. Turkey was becoming the target country for the many asylum seekers, irregular migrants, etc. And we, Turkey did not have any kind of legal tool to deal with that. In fact, very brief technical information. Some of you know that all, if you are working on, the, uh, on asylum issues, Turkey signed the 1951 Geneva Convention with the geographical limitation. 
which means that the Turkey accepted the Vlodikov call for period only refugees, asylum seekers from European countries. What happened in reality that the, all the asylum seekers coming from the non-European countries, and Turkey should deal with that. <laughs> and this, I will come to also, this still creates problem and still keeps this limitation. So there was no legal tool to deal with the migration flows coming to Turkey, neither with the asylum seekers nor the irregular migrants. And with this title, in fact, the, technically this is a kind of very long regulation title. This is the title of the regulation. And the, it tries to arrange the how Turkish my, Turkish state will deal with the migra migration. In fact, it, in relation to refugees coming from non-European countries, there was a kind of issue of providing temporary protection to them. But overall, what's significant with regulation that the, Turkey be, started becoming a kind of proactive how to deal with the immigration and the flows and the flows of asylum seekers to, to the country. While this was happening, I argue that, the, in fact, from the discourses of the states, it was very clear that the, there was this tension between the, the logic of early 1920s, and I will argue that this with the nationalist legacies and the politics of the past, and the, what was happening in the, in the late 20th century. The good signs of how Turkey, Turkish states started accepting that Turkey was becoming a country of immigration. In fact, this legislation is very obvious. So first one, in 2003, the Turkey changed the law for work permits of foreigners. The previous law was from the 1940s. A kind of funny example is that, for instance, some of the occupations, they were forbidden to the foreigners. Of course, in every country, some various occupations, they are forbidden to foreigners, like the military or whatever, police or whatever, some important. But here, in, the, in that previous law, for instance, street seller or crafter or barber or domestic helper, if you are foreigner, you cannot have a kind of work permit in Turkey. So first time, so Turkey accepted that, okay, the foreigners, this means that the, when, when we call the foreigners, I stress that the, in the eyes of state, the foreigners are real foreigners. So non-Turks and non-Muslims often refer all. I already mentioned that the Turkey trying to become this, negotiate the, with the EU, all this migration regulation, migration legislation was at the very top of the agenda, and there was a EU-based action plan for migration and asylum. For instance, in that action plan, Turkey somehow decided that they will remove the geographical limitation in Geneva Convention. Then there will be new law of the foreigners and the asylum in Turkey. Very significant debate in Turkish parliament took place in relation to 2006 law of settlement. Remember that this, this law state in, uh, from the 1934, all migrants in Turkey defined as someone with Turkish descent and origin. In fact, this is very much debated in parliament, whether this, they will remove this statement, okay, defining the migrants as someone with Turkish origin. They kept it. So I, I read the parliamentary debates that are, and I recommend you if you are dealing with that area, there were very 
nice debate about how these, in fact, there are, I should say, very hot debates, in fact, showing the tension between the very nationalist views towards versus the so-called so globalist views. But, but they, they kept this uh, uh, statement there, but the other articles, in fact, became more liberal, I may say that. Towards the end of my discussion, in fact, here, while I'm drawing some conclusions, I will mention this 2011 draft law on fairness and international protection. Already, Frank mentioned that thing. This is also promised to EU. Turkey will prepare a law. In fact, it's first decided to prepare two laws. One is on the foreigners, the other on the asylum. Here, the concept of international protection refers to asylum issues. In fact, even if this reflects the, how the preparation of this law was very liberal, in fact, for instance, it's very strange, I should say, that it's not so common in Turkish bureaucracy. Bureaucrats, often they don't get the views of the scholars or the civil society organizations. And for this law, the, in fact, before the, this law, I should mention that the, to make all these EU arrangements, in the Ministry of Interior, now there's a new bureau, it's called the Asylum and Migration Bureau. And luckily, there's a very liberal person, head of the office, and the, he was in charge of the preparation of this law. The preparation of this law took almost a year, and they organized several meetings with the scholars, with the civil society organizations, bringing the army people with the civil society organizations, etc. At the end of the story, in fact, this, this draft, you can find the Turkish version in the, on the internet webpage of the Minister of Interior. And I would consider that this is the, this draft, this is the very liberal law, even as Frank mentioned that, in fact, I interviewed with two, three EU officers in, in Brussels, they told me that this is the, in fact, one of the most liberal uh, law they see on foreigners and the asylum issues in Europe. And I may argue that way too. With this change, okay, I, again, I repeat myself, but the, what we may observe that the Turkish state trying to develop its capacity to deal with immigration. I will keep this discussion somewhere. Then I'm coming to the, my conclusion. So what could be our research agenda based on that? Here I like to get some idea from an article of the Russell King actually, 2001, and how we can apply that to the Turkish case. In that article, in fact, Russell King criticized that the, we are approaching the whole my, when we look at the migration literature, we are creating these dichotomies or these, these binaries. Less process or product, which means that, for instance, we are, we are talking about the migration process and products is the migrant communities. Or we are talking about the internal migration, international migration. We are referring to temporary migration to permanent migration. We are making these analytical binaries. In fact, increasingly, the border between these binaries becoming quite blurred. Somehow, the, in fact, the Turkish case to deal with is very good case, in fact, to work, to get, to bring some criticism to this type of binary approach. 
I'd like to give some example here. First, in the field, often now, in recent years, various organizations, international organizations or scholars ask that the, what is return, concept of return migration, okay? Concept of return migration is a product of the 1960s, 50s, 60s, where we were thinking that the, there was temporary migration, migrants will move one place, they will spend some time there, then they will return. But increasingly we know that the, in the global world, more and more circularity is becoming this common pattern of migration. So return is not a kind of end. So many scholars or um, international organizations, they, they wonder, for instance, what is the volume of return migration to Turkey? When you approach with this concept of return migration, of course, you cannot find that the, whether people returning, or we know that, the, for instance, but why I said that the trans, transnationalism, concept of transnationalism now, even in the eyes of state, is becoming a kind of reality in Turkey. Because we know that the, the, the Turkish migrants in Europe, first generation, they're large families, they are spending six months in Europe, six months in Turkey, so they are circulating rather than returning. Again, referring to King's articles, I, sh I, will, I will refer that the, while we are determining our current uh, future research agendas, probably we should focus on that the, how new mobility patterns could be applicable to Turkish case. Here I like to bring, for instance, since I, I, uh, I have limited period of time, increasingly, I, I agree with the King's article, for instance, we, we think about the personal realization of my migration. So the migration I talk about from the 60s, 70s, they were much more, much more governed by the state activities. For instance, in the 1960s, states they were signing the migration agreement and the flows that they were coming out of these agreements, etc. But increasingly, individuals becoming more active. So one concept of, for instance, personal self-realization is important. Coming to the conclusion out of this discussion, how we can organize our research agenda, certainly all the, with this, all this story of the Turkish emigration and immigration, Turkish case presents a kind of quite fascinating case for com comparative studies, because Turks living in many different countries, and there is a kind of, one can compare the different historical periods, etc. What is missing, in fact, in contemporary Turkish migration studies? For instance, migration of crisis, refugees, irregular migration, but also, I, I forgot to, written there, to write there, in fact, last economic crisis very much debated in the migration literature. So the sudden changes in the, in the world economic political structure, in fact, brings migration. So this could be a kind of area, in fact, in the Turkish case, it could be very well uh, studied. Growth of independent female migration, not only I'm talking about emigration from Turkey, but particularly migration coming to Turkey, plus the following item, for instance, increasingly in the migration literature, we know that there is a concept of student migration. At the, in, the, in the case of Turkey also, migration of skilled and professionals and the students, increasingly on the, on the, uh, in, we are seeing in reality, but the studies, this is a kind of less studied issue. 
but we may call the shuttle migration, circular migration, fluid migration. So migration is increasingly becoming fluid and the circular. Another issue, for instance, I brought that I, uh, from the literature that we can call the transnationalization of intimacy, love, and marriage migration. Why I brought this issue, for instance, in recent years, you know that the, the for instance, many European countries thinking that the these arranged marriages is they, they are very common in Turkish communities like Denmark or the, the other the Netherlands. In fact, many European countries, they are putting so many limitations. In fact, one can discuss the, whether they are linked, in fact, with the line of human rights. For instance, all this language test and the various tests, if you get married with a person from your own country, etc. This could be uh, increasingly individuals becoming more mobile. So this could be another area of uh, research. Migration of the environmental preferences. Uh, Turkey already started attracting the, what we may call the sun and retirement migration. When you go to Antalya or Bodrum or Marmaris, you see the impact of that. But increasingly, in the migration literature, we see that the, there is a whole issue of environmental migration now becoming quite high issue. And I believe that in the Mediterranean basin, including Turkey, this will be a field of research. Very quickly, then, I will finish that. The overall, uh, my concluding remarks will be, when we look at the whole last 100 years, and then we connect the Turkish modern history of Turkish, uh, history of modern Turkey with the migration flows, I would argue that the initially, this process dominated by the nation building process, but later now turned into a modern state rebuilding. And the, in fact, this process came to the agenda with the EU. We should accept that. But regardless of membership of EU, I think the direction will be good. So whether Turkey becomes the EU member or not, I think direction will be that uh, direction. Still, in Turkey, we are still living the, at, the, at the level of policy making in uh, immigration and immigration issues. You can feel this tension between the nationalist legacies, I will call it, I already call it politics of the past, and the, what we may call it, the worldviews based on globalism, transnationalism, or easation. Very general uh, comments I will make, then I will stop. In fact, based on this history, what is needed now, we try to create new research questions, but while also probably we should try to have a kind of new theorizing, but new theorizing and new research somehow should benefit from the old research and all, from the old theorizings. And one should be critical of the various old typologies. For instance, I give the example of return migration. Comparative research agenda is very important. And increasingly also we see that the, when we look at the uh, international migration studies in, on, on Turkey-related issues, interdisciplinary work is increasing uh, cross-disciplinary and multidisciplinary, but the, probably the, um, I will prefer the interdisciplinary work rather than cross-disciplinary. -cross multidisciplinary. So overall, uh, we 
this history and with this transformation, I may argue that the Turkey provides us with a very fertile ground for research of different types, uh, analytical, empirical, policy, or theorizing. Thank you very much.